welcome to Language Chats. This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond where we share our experiences of language learning with you, as well as the stories of other Australians and a few international guests who love learning, working with and communicating using other languages. I'm Penny. And I'm Beck, and we'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we are lucky enough to be recording on today, the Kalkadoon people and the Wurundjeri people, and we pay our respects to their elders past and present. Now, today joining us is a fellow podcaster, the host of a fantastic, relatively new um, language-related and now award-winning podcast called The Idiom, which is co-produced by ThinkHQ Cultureverse and SBS Audio, Horner Pearson. Willkommen zu Language Chats. Mange tak. <laughs> now, don't worry, everyone. We are not going to do this interview in Danish. Goodness knows, I my Danish is not nearly good enough to do that. <laughs> we can prove, but we could also just, uh, yeah, do a little yeah. bit more English. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love <laughs> it. I love it. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. It's fun to have a real-life Danish-speaking person in Australia, too. I know there are plenty, but, you know, you are one of the few I do know in Melbourne, so... <laughs> And you're doing an excellent job, I have to say. Uh, no, your Danish is really, really good. <laughs> well, thank you. Okay, we get sidetracked though. Um, so to begin, of course, do tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Where did you grow up? What languages were around you then? And how has this changed over time? Okay, thank you very much first for inviting me on the podcast. It's super exciting. Um, I'm good at ranting, uh, so please stop me. But Yes, my name is uh, Rune, uh, and I'm uh, Rune Pedersen, and I'm from Denmark, and um, yeah, born and raised uh, in, Den- in Denmark, uh, eventually moved to Copenhagen, uh, moved to Berlin later on uh, due to work, and now I'm living in Melbourne, Australia. Um, right now, I work in a communication agency in Melbourne, uh, um, ThinkHQ, uh, and uh we're specializing, I'm, I'm working in the part of the business that's called Cultureverse, where we're specializing in uh, multilingual campaigns. So on a day-to-day basis, I work a lot with language, languages, I should say in plural, because we do all these campaigns that will be translated uh, into different languages. So I'm, I'm sitting at looking at campaigns, taglines, slogans, and all of that stuff. And then, as you mentioned, I have a podcast as well. So uh, I'm the host of a podcast and we produced it for uh, SBS. Um, and in that postca- podcast, I'm exploring culture through idiomatic expressions, so to speak. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, that's sort of the long story short. Um, but I think in terms of language, it's it's quite interesting when you come from a smaller country like Denmark, because you are sort of forced into to, to language learning quite early, early on. Um, English, I think nowadays you kind of start with it immediately in school. Uh, I think I was maybe in second grade or something, a third grade when we started English uh, learning. Um, but also it's through media consumption. So obviously you will, you'll see this from the Scandinavian countries. A lot of Scandinavians are okay at speaking English. A lot of us will understand English and speak English uh, simply because we consume mainly American media. Like... Myself, I think, you know, I've been sitting at home practicing Tupac and Wu-Tang Clan lyrics since I was just, <laughs> I didn't understand a word of it, but I memorized it, right? So my cap- vocabulary is uh, is uh, probably inappropriate. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, no, so, so that's quite normal. And then we, we do also learn other languages. So being Denmark, being in Denmark, you're located, you know, 
just above Germany. And I believe and that the German quote unquote market is still the biggest market for exports. So we're sort of forced to also learn German. It's the language we sort of love to hate because we have to, because it's one of those like the teachers say we have to learn German. So I, I had a real sort of sort of strained relationship with German up until I found myself living in Germany uh, where I was in like, oh, I should have listened. <laughs> uh, so, 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 but then I, I started to approach it differently. So that's sort of the, that's, that's my way into language. So I would say, you know, uh, fluent native, uh, speaking in Danish and then I'm going, it's okay with English. Uh, and then, um, and then German, when I was living there, I got better and better and better. Uh, I, could probably keep a conversation going pretty well in German now, but not without being self-conscious. But that's a topic of, of language we can we can we can jump into as well. Uh, yeah, I love that languages has been a part of your life since you were a small boy. You know, as a as a hobby, and then part of your education, and then when you moved abroad as well for work to Germany obviously language followed you even if you might not have wanted it to be German it was there <laughs> um, and now that you're here in, in Melbourne in Australia um, language is your career and your job as well as your hobby and and the side hustle that you do is your podcast um, have you ever imagined what your life would be like if you hadn't have learned English or German and hadn't have I guess, migrated away from Denmark and not had language as part of your life? You know, such a huge part. Yeah, that's a good question, uh, Penny. Really, really good question. I I felt this uh, outside. I studied communication as a bachelor, bachelor's degree, and it was only in Danish. And I remember, you know, this. So for context in Denmark, um, uh, we have free education. So, so, uh, which is great. Um, but there's also, I was like, felt really compelled to do a master's degree. Um, but there was something in me and I did that, but it was something in me that was like, I need to have a, a master's degree that's not in Danish. I feel like I need, I don't know why, but I know I'm going to live outside of Denmark. I just knew it. So I remember switching to this, uh, to this master, which was IT and business or something completely else. Uh, and I remember suddenly I had like the courses and the stuff was, they were all in English. Um, but that's what I wanted. Right. But it was, it was a little bit of like, Oh, what's happening here now? So I remember there was this presentation early on 20 minutes where I just tried to memorize everything. Um, cause I, you, you know, English and you grow up with it, but if you don't speak it, you know, it's like any other thing Like you, you, you don't feel confident in it necessarily. So, so, um, so there was this conscious decision i didn't i did not picture myself doing what i'm doing right now and it's really really interesting like sort of getting that question because it forces sort of a retrospective thinking um but yeah i've always been fascinated with language and it's really rather random but maybe not like it's connect, connecting the dots back uh, backwards right that i'm working with languages now um because i i guess you know Australia is is so interesting when it comes to language uh, languages. We have so many languages spoken here, and and I'm finding myself in this position where I can talk about language and I can talk about like how it works and all of that. Um, and it kind of comes like coming from outside and then sitting here with it now has become a strength. Where sometimes when you come from outside and then 
and then you end up in a, in a place then you might feel weak in some sense if that makes sense in in, in a job so i found myself in a job now where it's like oh it's a plus that you speak another language so that's yeah if that makes sense yeah absolutely and this is a, a nice, I guess, connection into into the podcast, um, the idiom that you have hosted, um, because that, of course, is very much related to the experience of those who come into an English-speaking country, I suppose in this particular case in Australia, and find that there are many parts of language that are not so obviously understood. Um can you tell us a little bit about how this podcast came to be? What inspired you to to develop this idea? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I mean, I can look at it from many different perspectives. Uh, I think the first the first thing that comes to mind is that saying, uh, you know, I was looking at taglines and slogans and all of that, and I was like trying to figure out, like, okay, why is it so hard to translate poetic devices? Uh, and poetic devices, you know, alliteration and rhymes and metaphors and analogies and all these different things that you use to, to, to dress up language and make it interesting and compelling, those things are really difficult to translate. So that was where it started out because I needed to find a way to talk about why it's so difficult to translate. So that's where actually where the idea started because if you if you're talking to to a monolingual person or someone who, you know, has dabbled maybe a little bit in, in, in high school French or something like that. They understand a language a little bit, but they don't understand necessarily that, that, that you can't translate things from like directly. You can, but it, it, it just won't sound compelling. So that's the thing I think we can still improve on. And that's what I'm working on. But imagine if we're doing a huge campaign for 10, 15, 20 languages, um, we need essentially we need essentially copywriting eyes uh, in, into all those languages because if we are if we sort of have an, an a, a, like sort of an Anglo Aussie perspective uh, culturally also in the way we write things and the poetic devices we're using well how are we going to then transfer that so that's where it all started um, so I have a I'm really interested in sort of localized localization of content and transcreation of con- content and transcreation for, for sort of the uninitiated is that's a combination of translation and creation. And you go down that route, right? And then and then you you get you you work together with the translator, you maybe work with copywriters, uh, you co-design, you, you try to find a way of actually communicating it in a way that's gonna be compelling. So that's where it start, like, started. Um, and then just looking at the makeup, like the demographic of Australia, of course, like who are we in Australia? Um, we, I think uh, I think you talked about this on the show before. You had uh, David on um, from SBS where he talked about, you know, how over 50% of the population is actually is either born overseas themselves or have a parent born overseas themselves. And that says, says something about the languages we, we talk in Australia. And it's just not... Uh, really seen in the media uh, landscape you see it in SBS so, so kudos to SBS mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot of other places like we could do better um, so that's what I'm trying to from from sort of an agency perspective I think also just idioms are fun right like they say something about culture they're a good entry to discuss language we all sort of 
bump into them. Not everyone wouldn't necessarily understand what's an idiom because that's a little bit of an extra term. Even for me in the beginning, like, what is this thing? Because you don't really say idioms. You might just say metaphors. Um, but but I think that that was that. And then I just wanted to have a sort of a discussion, or not so much discussion. I wanted to have a dialogue or talk about multilingualism and multiculturalism in an easy, accessible way. Um, and then, then something completely else is that I think also just uh, it's just an expression. The podcast is just an expression of sort of my natural curiosity. I I, I want to understand the world and um, and also want to be understood. And I think language and discussing that through idioms allows uh, allows to sort of explore that in a fun and different way. And it's a, it's a way of saying like, oh, you say that, or, and oh, I am saying this. Oh, it's kind of different. It's the same. And you can kind of see idioms as a, they're kind of, they can kind of be an expression of the extreme where you might not understand it, a, 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 an idiom in the beginning. They can be complete meaningless. But then once you understand them, you really sort of suddenly very uh, part of that group. You're suddenly included. So you go from, uh, if you take Aussie English, Aussie English, you're really on the outside until you start to understand it and apply it, and then you're suddenly part of the team. And I think that you find that in slang and idiomatic expressions, and all languages have those kind of things, and all languages all have also have different things, and not all idioms will necessarily, and I found out that for the podcast, not all idioms will say something huge about a culture, but it sort of scratches the surface of, of a culture. And then it leads, if you're curious, to sort of the next question, why is that? And why would you say that thing? And, oh, we say this thing. And yeah, you know, so, and then the conversation is flowing and suddenly we're sort of exchanging culture. And it's, but it's not in a way where we like, now we need to discuss culture. Now we need to discuss <laughs> multiculturalism. No, because it's just a, it's just a natural wonder of culture. Right. And then, yep. Because I think we need to have those conversations. And I think there's so much mm -hmm. to celebrate. And this is a way of celebrating it. Can you give us an example of, to I guess, to break this down a little bit for um, for everybody listening, can you give us an example of an of an idiom or an expression, an idiomatic expression, and then why it is that an, an idiomatic expression is so difficult to translate when, when it comes to using those poetic devices that you, you mentioned? Like, if you can think of one one particular one and maybe how to try and translate that into other languages. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think, okay, I can take a, a Danish one that I haven't shared on a podcast before anywhere else, right? Like, um, I think it's actually a Scandinavian one, so it probably also in works in Sweden, Swedish and Norwegian. But we'll say, there's no cow on the ice. And, okay, what does that mean? Um, I, can, I can really see the image, though. Yeah. <laughs> it, it means that there's no trouble ahead. Because ah. you don't want to see a cow <laughs> as you're walking out on the ice. You don't want to see a cow out there because of the weight. If the, if so oh, the cow might yes. break the ice, right? So so that's a fun old expression. Uh, but it's also a way of saying, like, oh, I can easily do that. So it sort of, it sort of transform, it's, transforms itself. And I think that's a funny example because... Like you can you can explore that and then through logic you can then start to understand like oh okay that's uh, that's meaningful because of the cow and the eyes and all of that 
but then then you'll also just have like art expressions right like so um in german you'll you can say uh, das ist mir wurst uh, that's sausage to me and what does that mean well it i don't know the origin of that but it's just like well it just means like it i can do either like we can do this or we can do that um like that's sausage to me and i think you know okay if i explore that one I can apply logic to it, but maybe maybe it doesn't make sense. But if I'm applying my own logic to that one, then it's like, well, there's a sausage in the uh, on the barbecue. Whether I'm getting the one on the right or one on the left doesn't really matter because it's a sausage. It's probably going to be delicious. So, 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 so uh, that that one there, right? And then then, but then we have other ones, and and I think like there's a couple I really like to share where we say something that's the same. And they have the same meaning across languages, but they are different, right? So when pigs fly in English, that's a cute one, and we we we, we you know we see we see the we see that one, and in I think it's in in I think it's in French or in Spanish, I forget now, but they say when when frogs grow hair, so that's that's mm-hmm. the same meaning, but it's said in a different way. Yeah. But this is a, such a good example on why we need to transcreate creative content because imagine if you're making a, a tagline or a slogan or you build a campaign that's all around the product devices and we now have a pig flying in the sky what are we going to do no we need to now it's com- that's completely meaningless unless of course we want to teach the audience what it means and all of that right so so there we need to then suddenly apl- have a, fo- uh, a frog in the picture that's growing here um and for for the listeners that that doesn't know what those two things mean, it's just mean like it's an impos- impossible thing. Like that will only happen. That will never happen, basically, right? So they're just so interesting and fun. Um, and I, I kind of this is very un- everything I'm saying is very unscientific, <laughs> but <I've> kinda, <laughs> but I've got I kind of like seen because I've looked at so many idioms now. I kind of see them on a spectrum, um, where where some of them are like cutesy, uh, very sort of. Um, almost like a children's book kind of idiom. Like it's raining cats and dogs, for example, mm-hmm. that one of the episodes is called that. Like, it's not like you will ever apply that in a sentence. It's not like you're done with work and you walk down the stairs and it's like, oh my God, it's raining cats and dogs out there. People don't use that, right? Like to that extent, you you could find a person who will say it, but they will probably wink at you and smile. But it's not sort of casually sort of interwoven into our conversation. So, so you will, f- if you start going down a route of searching and f- trying to find idioms and that's been documented and all of that, then those idiomatic expressions, well, they're not always part of our everyday language. But then if you actually start to explore language, you have the other side of the spectrum where, where things are sort of slightly more part of our language now. Because if you say, let's make a brainstorm, it's not like we're going to be storming the brains, whatever that means, right? So that's also an idiomatic expression. And then, but that's super part of the language and it's completely interwoven yeah. into everything you say. So so, the, so so I see that spectrum happening. So if we really start to look at that, then a lot of our language is like, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And, and this is what I, I so I interviewed, um, I think it was, um, there's an episode on the podcast where I talked to some Singmany and, and we're talking a little bit about this, how Aussie English can be a barrier. Like, so imagine people are sitting in their respective uh, 
home countries and then they with an expectation of coming to Australia and they practice and practice and practice and then they arrive to Australia and get met with Aussie English. Completely different language, right? And that's it's just um yeah, it's just super interesting, right? When you when you've arrived in Australia, you know, <laughs> back in the day, um, were there sayings and expressions that you were just confronted with that you had to kind of take a breath and go, what what does this mean? Were there any standouts that you struggled with initially? Yeah, I mean, I've actually, uh, I mean, the big one, which is still a, a, a wonder for me, and that probably is also more a mythical one, and it divides the waters. Uh, the water, it's like we're not here to fuck spiders. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, not does everyone. That exactly mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because and this it's is like this we're is... not we're not here to mess around, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's get started, right? Just push on. Yeah, <laughs> push on. Let's 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 jump let's jump into it. So that's a really strange one, um, but it's also, and I think some people will say like, oh, that's I don't feel like that's representing Aussie life and culture, but. I think on the side of the spectrum, people say like, yeah, well, it probably does. Um, because it's slightly obscene. It's a little bit, it's a little, there's a little bit of foul mouth in there. And I, I think, I think that's part of, you know, the Aussie charm. It's part of it. There's, it's not only like Australia is like that, not at all. Um, but um, that one is an interesting one. Um, I think a lot of the Aussie slang in terms, and I, I forget them now, but I think a lot of them is also, if it's like Anglo terms, then they will be imported from UK uh, and then probably changed a little bit over time. But even even one, I don't, I don't even know if I would call this an idiom, but I'm finding myself like actually being sort of, almost a little bit hesitant and a little bit nervous if I'm like, if I'm saying like, thanks mate. Like, <laughs> like, like it's so silly, but it's because I know it's like, that's a really like Aussie UK thing. So I'm, I'm putting on my Aussie version of myself when I say that, like when I say, when I, when I use that, because it's not naturally part of my vocabulary. So I really have to apply it. And then I'm almost like, yeah. I, I almost giggle inside because I'm like, this is not who I am, but I, I want to be one the one that says mate. Well, uh, I don't reckon Beck and I say that either. But, but that's but a good a gender, one. There's a gender thing there as well, though. Ah, okay. Mm. I would, you just said reckon, I reckon, and I think that's oh, yeah. actually really oh, awesome. Definitely very Australian. Yeah. yeah. Um, you say that way said, too much. <laughs> I do. I reckon it's pretty Aussie. Yeah. yeah. How funny. I feel like as a, yeah, again, as an Australian, but maybe this is a gender related thing and because women probably don't often say mate as much as men tend to. Um, but I feel like sometimes when I use mate, it's almost in a derogatory way. Like if I'm upset about something, like I, I, can, I can see myself, in fact, driving in the car and like being stuck in traffic or someone dodging in in front of me in the lane or, you know, stopping really suddenly. And I'm like, what are you doing, mate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't think I would ever say that to somebody like regularly. I wouldn't be like, hey, mate, how are you going? I actually wouldn't. I don't think I would say, hey, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um so in in your podcast though which which i have listened to in full and i loved it by the way Horna. um i thought it was so so interesting especially as a language lover because for me it called out to all of the 
you know, a lot of the things that I also find very interesting about both the English language and others. Um, But you speak to lots of different people in your podcast too. It's not just uh, yourself presenting and hosting. Um, You, I guess, got the opportunity to to research and speak to many people who are experts um, in different fields. What was that like for you as a first-time podcaster Um, and who were some of those people that you got to speak to? I mean, a privilege, uh, a huge privilege. Uh, I feel, I don't know you guys, but it's, I, I, I think like when you do a podcast, it's just a really good way to talk to interesting people. It's like, I, I want to talk to you, but like, why would I talk to you? Well, I have a podcast. Uh, and <laughs> then you find a way of doing it. Um, I, I think actually this is a good time now to just saying like, hey, it, it sounds like I'm the only one on the podcast uh, who've been producing it, but we, we are actually a bunch of people. So I've co-written the podcast together with Stefan Delatovic and uh, and the way we went about it were often like, oh, we had an idea to a theme and a topic and then I would go ahead and write something I would find interesting or he would go about writing something he would find interesting and then we would swap. Uh, and sometimes we, we found a really good rhythm uh, where where he would get me in trouble a little bit. So um, so we would have an idea like, oh, let's do this thing. So we had this episode where we're visiting uh, the Donkey Society of Victoria, which uh, was a really fun episode to do. And I have so much content, uh, like way, way overproduced. Like I have so much content for that one where... Um, but we found a focus on it and the episode came out, I think, great, but, but we could have done a completely different episode with all the content we had there. And, um, yeah. And then I worked together with, with Bo Ray Chan and Mia Sons and that helps like sort of find some of the talent and vet, vet the talent. And, uh, so I, I wasn't doing all the, the hard work myself. And then of course we had these sound, uh, sound, sound people, uh, Bridget Burke, Jacob Ages, and uh, and Jake Im, working on it at different times. So I just really need to say that because it's so important. Um, but you know, for example, like I didn't always know who I was going to talk to. So uh, so like some of the some of the people I would have talked to in advance, and other guys, I, I more sort of walked into to not knowing if we would have a vibe. Um, but for me, it was always about having the good conversation. Uh, I was never there to make a scoop, you know, like it was, it was always like, I want to make you sound good mm-hmm. and I want you to shine in whatever way that means. So I hope you feel comfortable. I do. <laughs> um, and let's have a good chat. And then I think over time, um, my confidence grew with the process as well. And I felt sort of more natural and I also allowed more allowed is not the right word, but let's roll with it. But I sort of let myself um, be more free and put that on the podcast at, as the, 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 the episode sort of progressed. Uh, but it was fun and amazing. Like speaking to, like there was, there were some profound topics in there and that was, that was also like intentional. Like the, 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 the whole thing was intentional in terms of themes and the topics and, ending on death and, you know, rolling through those things. Um, and I think the whole process was planned, but it was also very organic. So the thing was this, we, we, we quickly learned that in order to make the interview 
in the interviewee shine, we can only write so much because we don't know what's going to be golden. So we will then pull out those things afterward and then we would write skits. So we would have ideas to skits, but then we would write skits around what it was. So for the mental health episode, I had, we had tons of skits, but it was like, oh, actually I dialed it all back because um, uh, Grant, he's such an excellent speaker and I w- we wanted that episode to just stand by itself. So we actually dialed it back heaps um, and we could have made it more fun and more fun, but suddenly it was like, oh no, this is actually a really nice sort of standalone episode. So that, w- that was the uh, sort of organic thing that happened. Um, and I think that's costly in time. And I think over time you learn how to do that better. And we learned, we learned more in the end was like, oh, okay, let's not write more than a couple on the death thing. The death episode, that's the last episode for people that hasn't uh, listened. Uh, and, and then we see what we can fit in. Um, yeah. So, so, um, I would say also just like none of these people went out and claimed that they were the experts. We made them the experts. Um, I had a beautiful thing uh, with Howard who came on a couple of times and he's just an excellent speaker and it was really just a gift. Everyone who was on the podcast gifted uh, something. um, uh, So I'm grateful for that. And originally Rita, uh, Rita Wilson, who's on the episode, she's a professor at Monash, a translation professor and i just sort of talked to her about the concept and she's like i think you can talk to this person i think you can talk to that person so i was just very influenced by people and then people coming along um i could probably be in if we're talking about podcasting and it gets a little nerdy now but you can be very strategic with who you're who you're interviewing because they might have a big audience right and that's a good idea of course but 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 from that wasn't so much important for 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 this for this uh, for this here it was like more like oh who's interesting and who do we have a good rapport with and let's roll with it and it turned out good yeah do you feel like you've got more contact more ideas bubbling away now that you know there could be further <laughs> further podcasts in your future or you know yeah i mean there's two ways of answering it i could keep going uh with with idioms that's the beauty of that concept mm. um whether or not we're going to do it that's a different thing but but uh i think that's that's the, what's solid about that thing is like you can always keep finding idioms and themes uh, so I definitely have like a i probably have like i don't know how many seasons in my head with things we could do but also it also really on a very personal note just taught me like oh here's a uh here's something that i need to explore further uh, podcasting and 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 storytelling, and exploring the good storytelling that's sort of inclusive of different languages. And I think there's such an opportunity to like use that as a like interesting. I think you can tell great stories where you're not force feeding people with sort of inclusive content in, 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 in just because you want to be inclusive. I think there's such a great opportunity to create compelling storytelling where you're inclusive because it heightens the story. It improves the story. And uh, that kind of content excites me. Um, so sort of exploring 
that route, um, how it could look. I, have, I don't have many ideas. Uh, it's I have like a never-ending idea <laughs> machine. Um, so if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. watch this space, in other words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I like I have to say, like, life... Uh, I'm very, very grateful right now, and I'm just so blessed. And uh, I'm going to be um, uh, be a first time parent here in January, February. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations! So, yeah, exciting. thank you very much. So, 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 so my energy is, in other words, my energy is flowing in a different channel. <laughs> Can, um, I'll, I'll just give you a little, like, you know, make the most of these next few months. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! I'm sleeping. I'm just, I, I, I'm just sleeping all the time. Yeah. No, I, I, it's, it's just, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a, like it, it puts things into context, and then it, it uh, I have a thing right now where I'm just exploring patience and and really just changing my 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 sort of understanding of time and how I want to live time and, and, and everything. So, so I'm going through a process. It's a very personal process I'm going through right now where I'm like, I'm not rushing into anything. Like mm, I don't want to nice. do things for, for, for the sake of just doing them. So I'm trying to change my, my understanding of time and, and therefore my energy is like, yeah, yeah, we can do this, but let me be there for that right now. Right. So that's how I, f- how I feel. That's exciting. Yeah. Very, very exciting. Fantastic. Um, that is very exciting. And hopefully we will hear more about, I guess, what your future plans might be um, after this very exciting time in your life that is that is coming up. Um, what else, just to, you know, as something to maybe finish on, you mentioned that you're a very curious person and that you have lots of ideas going on in your head um, at any given time, apart from that very exciting life event that is coming up. What's capturing mm. your curiosity at the moment? Thanks for asking. I I think, you know, um, making the podcasts, I went through this process of, of thinking about language a lot. I assume you guys do the same as well all the time. And... Um, but one of the things I sort of went through, which was really interesting, and it felt extremely profound to me, was that, and this is going to sound silly to the audience maybe, but profound, profound thinking, when it feels profound, often sounds very simple. And it's just that language, in any given, any given time, if I allow myself or if I can control my emotions, I can say... I can say what I want and I can put an intention out there. I could, for example, I could say to you two, I could say, hey, you don't know this, uh, Beck and Penny, but before I started the podcast and when I was in the researching phase, I listened to you, your podcast and it helped me navigate. Yeah, it helped me navigate the space a lot. And I'm really grateful for that. So thank you for that. And, you know, it's just... It's just an example of, because I mean that, it's just an example of like, hey, I can, whatever intention I put out there, that's through language. So I can influence, it's not that I can force anyone to take on that emotion, but I'm just thinking about that a lot because we like fish in water when it comes to language. Like language is all around us, but we're actually not that great at it. (laughs) Um, 
when we think about how much time we spend on it. Like we learn the basics and we, we learn from school and all of that. But like when it comes to relationships and I'm not perfect at all. Like I, you know, I, I'm actually really bad, but, but, but it's just like when it comes to partners and it comes to friends and family, like what's the intention? So, so, so we, we have that opportunity all the time with language. So that's a big theme in my life. And, and in, like a constant theme in my life is obviously uh, this thing with transcreation and storytelling and sort of how do we seamlessly integrate culture and language into uh, exciting content. Um, I think it's so beautiful when, when you see content out there that speaks to one person in one moment and speaks to another person in another moment and they might not both pick up on it. And I think you can do that a little bit with culture and language where you can sort of nod a little bit to someone in a, who speaks French by in, like including a little sentence here and you can do a little bit over there with someone who speaks Tagalog and and I think it's also just really important when it comes to Australia for, for being seen and heard you know you grew up maybe you grew up here in a refugee family or whatever you whatever the context is and you don't see a representation of yourself and then sometimes when you do see a representation of yourself, either it's a bad story or it's a story where you're so, oh, you're so helpless, so we got to help you. Instead of just like telling awesome stories where you sort of weave those things in into it. And I think we sort of have a responsibility for that, for people that, works in, that work in media or work in storytelling to try to find a way of, of embracing this because we should embrace uh, the multilingual society and the multicultural society in a way where it's celebrated um, because we can decide on what we want. Do we want to make it a plus or a minus? And, and I, I think there's so much positive to talk about. So I think language, um, when we talk about that and we talk about uh, curiosity around language can really help bridge gaps between culture and ulti ultimately sort of diving into culture and language is super helpful for that. Um, we can then have maybe better social cohesion. So I think I think it's really a key for that. Um, so that's what I'm thinking about a lot in my daily work. Um, but I think we can all think about uh, us who have, you know, the means um, to tell really exciting, cool, fun, interesting stories um, through through those small nods and and appreciations yeah I, I identify with a lot of the things that you have just um a lot of the things that you've just mentioned um and something that I think is a really interesting thing to reflect on when you were just saying how like sometimes we can say things or we can think things or hear things that are very profound and actually they are very simple in their nature and they can be expressed very simply but carry lots of meaning um I think often we we take language for granted all the time um so much so that we we forget that it is this tool that we use every day, um, but we almost sometimes simplify it, oversimplify it to like a subject that you learn at school. You know, like mm. like it's this it's this other thing, um, but realistically, like language is just something you humans use to do everything we do every day, including just think or express ourselves. Um, but there is a balance between the things that we have that are so simple and so easy to, you know, that should be so easy to express and what can sometimes be an overcomplication of language because we don't know how to say something. 
Um, and I think that's what I found, something that I found very interesting in listening to your podcast and hearing more about idioms and thinking about them more is that idioms in lots of ways are like a, a function of actually overcomplicating sometimes what we're trying to say because it is almost too hard to say something that's so simple. Um, mm. You mentioned earlier the last episode, um, don't worry, we won't ruin it for everybody, but it is it is about death, which is obviously a, a difficult topic for people to talk about. But it's so funny how many idioms and expressions there are to talk about death mm. and to describe the fact that someone is no longer here mm-hmm. um, because we find it so hard mm. to just say the words that someone has died. Um, and, yeah, for me that like this spectrum of having hypersimplicity for things that can sometimes be a very big deal <laughs> and then things that are very complicated for something that's like so small um, is is what makes all of our language, whether it's in English or in you know, any other language that we might speak, so interesting because we can intertwine um, all of that and somewhere in the middle there's a middle ground. Mm-hmm. Well said. I, I I think I think what we like what we also discovered in the podcast is just that that what you're saying here is that idioms are somewhat close to uh, taboos because they exactly they convey that uh, the thing the hard the hard to the hard things to say now it's not always of course in the examples I gave for was we're not taboos right but if you say we have so many names for death or dying uh, and why is that and then exploring exploring that right and I had a great conversation with uh, Kimber Griffith that was on the podcast there and, and some of the things that didn't make the make the cut, but we were talking about the Victorian age and how how we sort of outsource death eventually, right? Because you still find cultures in Indonesia and, and so on, where I believe where, where, where the act of um, helping, how can I say this? The act of dealing with death and a relative's death is still something that's cared with the family, cared by the family, right? And and I just wonder sometimes, like, well, how do people talk about death then, right? And 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 do we then do we then actually, when you're closer to it and can talk more directly about it, do you then actually navigate your emotions better? I don't know. Like maybe it's a very individual thing, but when when we start to cover things up in language, sometimes, we, what's then lost or what's prolonged and i sometimes think the grief the grieving process could maybe be prolonged because we're not we don't talk about it we don't get it out uh, or we find these other words um to to deal with it there's a, there's a heavy end <laughs> <laughs> oh wow also i just big, love language big, i know like <laughs> Big, heady, like serious topics for language chats. Hey, Mona, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing um, for sharing all of this with us, your experiences, and and of course a little bit about your your very interesting podcast. Um, now, before we wrap things up, um, where can people listen to the idiom? Um, should they so wish? Thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, of course on SBS Audio. So uh, jump on uh, if you don't have the app, download the app, and then you can you can definitely find it uh, just by uh, searching for the idiom. 
uh, or type it into whatever browser you use. It's also across the other uh, platforms like iTunes and, and, and so on, Spotify and all that stuff. Um, so you should be able to find it if you want to give it a listen. And if you do, Ooh, I would be happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you giving up your time to come and chat with us on Language Chats. Thank you. Oh, I did not give up my time. I really appreciate the time you gave me. So <laughs> so thank you a lot. Uh, thank you, Lorna. Tax Um nice. <laughs> Now, for everybody out there, thank you for listening to um, another episode of Language Chats. We love that you are here with us um, and listening along to some of these great stories that we get to also share um, on Language Chats. Um, you can find out more about what we do, of course, at our website, which is languagelovers.com.au. Um, and also, if you'd like to join us on social media, um, on Instagram, we're languagelovers.au. And on Facebook, languagelovers.au community is the group um, that you can join and hang out with other language lovers in Australia or who are abroad. And if you think you know someone who might also love listening to this episode, please feel free to share it with them. And if you get a second, we always love hearing from you. And if you have a chance to leave us a rating and review, we'll be eternally grateful. And we will catch you at another episode very soon. Thanks for listening. See you next time.